Welcome to Security Heroes, a podcast by Athena Security. We share real life stories to help connect you to real heroes in the security world. I am your host, Lisa Falzone. Warning, the following recording contains potentially disturbing content. Listener discretion advised. So joining us today is Paul Sarnese, a vanguard in the realm of healthcare safety and security. As the owner of Secured and Prepared Consulting and a distinguished 2022 Campus Safety Director of the Year, Paul's expertise extends through the multifaceted spheres of safety, security, emergency preparedness, and regulatory compliance within healthcare settings. With a past presidency at the International Association for Healthcare Security and Safety and over two decades of leadership at Virtua Health, Paul has been instrumental in innovating and managing comprehensive safety and security programs that have safeguarded countless lives. His strategic foresight and commitment to excellence have not only established secure environments, but have also cultivated a culture of preparedness that resonate across the healthcare industry. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Lisa. Really a, a real pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, so excited to have you. I mean, everyone taught you are you are like a legend in the security space. So I'm just so excited to have the Paul Sarnis <laughs> on this podcast. I've heard about you from so many different people and you're just so well respected within the industry. So well, thank um, you. It's very, very humbling. And I'm sure you can see my face getting pretty red right about now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just to start off, can you just take us back to the roots of your journey in security. Was there a defining yeah. moment that steered you towards specializing in healthcare security? And what were the main factors that attracted you to this specific domain? Yeah, well, I, I can actually thank my brother. So my brother was working as a security officer at a local hospital uh, in Camden, New Jersey, and he had an opportunity to uh, join the police academy. So his position became available. So at the time, I think I was right out of high school, uh, I was a lifeguard at a, a, a local pool, kind of love that feeling of keeping people safe and kind of being in that, that leadership role. And uh, my sister worked at the hospital at the same time, and they encouraged me to apply. I applied for the job. I was fortunate enough to get it. I was actually under 21. And at the time, they were only hiring officers that were 21 and above because of insurance reasons for driving vehicles. So they had to make a bit of an exception for me. And so I was the, the youngest security officer to join this department. And uh, I think because I was the youngest, um, I was assigned to the emergency department, the majority of my shifts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I kind of fell in love with uh, the role of keeping people safe and, and secure. Uh, and I really, I saw the unbelievable work that, that happened in the emergency department, you know, and, and the empathy and the compassion that was provided to patients that, you know, came in, you know, the worst times of their life. And I think it was, Pretty early on in my career, I realized just um, how impactful mm -hmm. the, the healthcare environment was, and how, how meaningful it was. And you know, I, I can tell you, I'm a pretty emotional guy, and I and I can tell you that um, there were times when I just saw miracles being performed to, to save people's lives. You know, wow. you, you get to see, unfortunately, you get to see some of the the worst things that people do to each other, mm -hmm. but at times you kind of see the the, the best in humanity and. And I really fell in love with it. And and I was blessed to work with great leaders who who motivated me and and, and mentored me to really grow in the career or grow in the field. And 
and, and really invested, you know, their time and energy into me. And because they were so good to me, I mean, I was, you know, I worked with Russ Jones and Russ Jones, you talk about a, a, an industry icon. Um, Russ took me under his wings and, and really taught me, you know, how to be a professional in, in this industry. And mm-hmm. um, so for, for the, even until today, I, I feel like uh, all my hard work is, is to really kind of give back to the industry to give back to him for, for, for investing in me. So, totally. you know, yeah, it, it, it was, it was one of those things where you kind of go, you know, I'm 58 years old. I still don't know what I really want to be when I grow up. I, I really don't. I mean, I yeah. don't know what my future holds. I love what I'm yeah. doing today. And it was one of those things when I, when I start working in security, healthcare security, I, I, I fell in love with it. I, I really mm-hmm. did. I, I fell in love with, with the, with the industry and, and really the ability to serve others and know that what I was doing was contributing to somebody being, getting well. Mm-hmm. I wasn't touching them right as a doctor or nurse, but what I was doing to keep that environment safe and secure was helping others provide that outstanding care. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's 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 a passion of mine and, and it's something that I'm really glad I kind of stumbled in the way I did, because it's just been a, a you know, just a wonderful experience. Yeah, it's a common theme is everyone just kind of stumbles into it. I stumbled into it. A lot of people I have on the podcast sort of stumbled into it. It's just like, you don't really know about it. And then you're like, wow, this is so cool. I can yeah. save people's lives. And then I'm saving people's lives who are also saving people's lives. So it's, it's great. I love, I love it as well. So, yeah, I, you know, um, I, I kind of equate it to like being a teacher, you know, like yeah. uh, where, where you know that you're, you're changing somebody's life for the better right? Mm-hmm. You're impacting them. And, and I put healthcare right there. It's, it's mm-hmm. just, it's very powerful. Totally. Talk, um, you mentioned miracles that you've seen. Would you be comfortable talking about some of those? Uh, so many, um, so many, I, I guess the one that stands out, um, I was working for a, a hospital in Philadelphia and um, we had 50 overdoses in less than 20 hours. Wow. And it, yeah, there was, there was heroin laced with uh, scopolamine, which is a like a horse tranquilizer, an animal tranquilizer, and and we were literally like a scene out of the movie. You know, cars were pulling up, you know, five or six in a row, and literally mm-hmm. pushing people out of the doors mm-hmm. that were pretty much overdosed and and, and yeah. dead. And I wow. think, yeah, I, I talk about miracles. Uh, I, I don't think we had a fatality out of all of those overdoses. And it was the staff, literally the doctors and the nurses running out of the ER and performing life-saving care in the driveway of the hospital wow. to save it. I mean, it literally was, it was a scene out of a movie, like the, the worst movie you can imagine where people just, people all over the place, you know, and laying in the street or being in cars and, and I got to see people, uh, you know, what I believe was performing miracles to save those lives today. And this was, and this was before, like, you know, Narcan was such a, uh, you know, uh, you can go to a corner store and buy Narcan like you can today. You go to a corner um, pharmaceutical store and buy it. But, you know, they were they were using Narcan, but it was something that was, you know, certainly not as pervasive as it was today. And and it was just a miracle to to, to be part of that. Wow, that's that's crazy. Fifty overdoses. That was crazy. It was crazy. I'm sure you have a lot of stories like that. Too many. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one, one thing about healthcare. And I I always tell people that are coming into the profession for the first time is you're going to, you're going to have some crazy stories to tell. You're going to see some things. You're going to smell some things. You're going to, 
experienced some things that you never thought you, you would before. And, you know, and I'm, it's, it's no different than a, a police officer, a firefighter, or any other first responder or totally. anybody that's, that's served in the military. It's, you, you see some things that you were not expecting to see. Yeah, totally. Can you talk about some heroic actions of you, either you or your security team that you've seen and what just want to highlight? Uh, there's so many. Um, I think the one that comes to mind first, it was um, in, when I was working at Virtual and in, in our Camden facility, we had a gentleman that came in on a, a early Sunday morning with the intent of uh, committing suicide. He had uh, he had a box cutter and a, um, a screwdriver with him. Mm -hmm. And he was actively trying to take his own life as he was walking into the facility. Jeez. And one of our security officers, and I, and, and I apologize for forgetting his name because I would love to recognize him right now. But one of our security officers intervened, mm -hmm. um, got his attention, um, mm -hmm. tried to verbally de-escalate him, and really did, and, and started to have a good rapport with him. And um, and on the video, you see that the, the gentleman's demeanor change and, and the officer having that really good personal connection with them. Um and then whatever happened, the individual started to stab himself with the with the screwdriver and and the, and the box cutter. Start cutting himself with the box cutter, and our and our security officer intervened, uh -huh. um, physically had to intervene and 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 stop this gentleman from from taking his own life. And 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 that was heroic in, in yeah. itself. because the, the officer put his his he put this gentleman's life in front of his. I mean, he yeah. he, he really had total disregard for his own safety. Um, because he had, you know, that was the compassion in him. And, you know, he wanted, he didn't want to see this gentleman hurt himself. And, you know, he, yeah. he did what he had to do to protect this individual and himself. And um, we ended up recognizing him uh, that year with a, a Medal of Valor through the International Association of Healthcare Security and Safety. Cool. Uh, because it was just exceptional work on his, on his part. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. But yeah, what a great heroic story to recognize. Switching gears a little bit, can you describe the core mission of your consulting firm and how it aligns with the changing dy dynamics of healthcare safety and security in recent years? Yeah, absolutely. So so I left my full-time employment back in January of, of this year to really concentrate mm -hmm. on um, consulting 100% of my, my, you know, focusing my 100% of my time and energy on that. So I've been around since 2002 and and you know, we're secure and prepared consulting is all about helping organizations identify risk. So, you know, we do safety assessments. So it could be an OSHA assessment. It could be a joint commission assessment. We do security assessments. So looking at the physical environment, mm -hmm. we do workplace violence assessments. And, and really, um, I believe we're the only ones who really take the approach of having a, a, a clinical expert and a security expert come together to do that workplace violence assessment. But things have changed. I mean, things have changed dr dramatically because, you know, workplace violence is certainly the number one focus in, in most organizations today. So that's really where the majority of our business is coming from, doing the workplace violence assessments. Um, and organizations, you know, there's so many competing priorities in healthcare. You know, there's one bucket of money that everybody's competing with. So security is mm -hmm. competing with the OR um, and radiology. And, you know, they're certainly revenue generating and security is not. Uh, and your, you know, patient engagement, recruitment, retention, um, you know, uh, staff satisfaction, all of those things are just, they're all competing priorities. Right. So how it's, you know, our, our focus has had to change over the last 20 years. Right. Um, to, to, you know, to, to not come in and say, you know, oh, well, you need to add 100 security officers. That's how you're going to improve the, the, the campus or, you know, spend all these dollars to mm -hmm. all this equipment and technology. We, we can't do that because it's not, it's not realistic. 
organizations do not have unlimited funds and there's competing priorities. So our, our focus has been really changed over the years to, to sit down as once the assessment's done is sitting down with the leaders and saying, okay, what do you have the appetite to move forward with? Because mm-hmm. we know there's no unlimited funds. Sure. So let's work together. You know, what's kind of like the pebble in your shoe too. So we, we, you know, it's funny. We take a different approach. So we talk about the throughput and we talk about clinical outcomes. We talk about um, uh, how to identify high-risk patients, how to do manage the clinical records. We talk about a little different things that than some other security um, consultants may look at. So when we sit down with the leaders, you know, they already know that we're looking at things a little bit different. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we're looking at things from a business perspective, looking at how we can improve their operation and, and improve the safety and security of their campus and and, and improve retention, recruitment and, and engagement and all that. So the, the focus is, has changed now where I think it's become more of a partnership with leaders of hospitals and healthcare mm-hmm. organizations to say, OK, where do we get the biggest bang for the buck? Mm-hmm. You know, what strategy, what where is their evidence based information that will prove that the strategy that we're going to recommend is going to have the outcome that you desire. Mm -hmm. So we all know that healthcare is very focused on evidence-based practices, right? Mm -hmm. Very slow to adopt new technology, unless there's evidence to, 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 to justify it's going to improve patient safety or if it's going to have a return on investment. So it's been a really a different focus, at least over the last 10 years, where now it's sitting down with the, the the presidents or the CFOs, whoever we're sitting down with and say, okay, this is what we need to recommend. Let's start with the low-hanging fruit. Let's let's implement the things that cost nothing, mm-hmm. and you're going to have an impact. Yeah. Now let's let's look at those things that we're recommending that are going to have a financial impact. Now let's kind of slice and dice them to determine which ones um, are going to give you the desired outcomes that you want. Because you know if it's if it's staff engagement, you know we, we want to be able to measure that right mm-hmm. after an, after we implement a strategy. If it's um, a reduction in injuries, we want to be able to measure that after we do a, 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 yeah. a you know, an intervention. So it, it's just really been focused. It's it's certainly more of a partnership than it's ever been with with healthcare executives to really sure. come up with what's the best strategy to move forward, because workplace violence specifically impacts so many different things. I mean, you know, I was t- I was at a hospital that just a couple of weeks ago it was three and a half miles away from another hospital. Mm-hmm. And when I was interviewing the staff on the 11 to 7 shift in the ED, they kept on comparing their hospital to the one down the street. Mm-hmm. Well, the one down the street has weapon screening. The one down the street has um, 24-7 security officers in the ED. We don't. Mm-hmm. Well, I was able to share that information with, with the CFO of the organization. And it was eye-opening for him because he went, I had no idea our staff is kind of shopping themselves between organizations. Mm-hmm. I said, Absolutely. That, that's how important employee safety is. They're going to yeah. compare one hospital to another. And the scenario I used, because um, I think he was able to relate to this, was, you know, he had college age kids. And I yeah. said, you know, before you you chose and your, your son or daughter chose where they were going to school, you, you looked at the crime rates, right? You, you looked at what, what was the safer campuses. Right. Well, uh, employees are doing that today. You know, yeah, they totally. Make sure that they're going to safe places. So if there is a more robust or more mature or more robust security program or more mature workplace violence program, that's where that's where employees are going to choose to go. And we all know, uh, you know, how bad the labor pool is and how tough it is today to recruit and retain people. So mm-hmm. it's important. And, and I don't think, you know, 20 years ago, that was part of the conversation. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, you even see all these, you know, strikes and these healthcare strikes and the number one thing people say almost every time is workplace violence and huge reason why these nurses are leaving and they don't want to be abused and they're currently being taking more abuse than police officers, which is crazy. So there's, I I saw it. um, I I just came back from um, a trip. I was at, at, at at a conference in Portugal speaking and I came back on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And there was an article that was posted on LinkedIn. It was it was a hospital in Washington State mm-hmm. that the nurses were protesting. And there was a sign of a nurse holding a sign up that says, we need weapon screening. We need. Oh, really? Weapons. That's hilarious. <laughs> got to send that to me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the truth. I mean, and, and, you know, employees expect to go to work and be safe. Totally. And they and- should. And the patients like it. I mean, as a patient, you want to make sure there's no bad guys in there. So. So I, what, one of the things that you, you said was interesting to me is that when you're, is when you're doing the risk assessment, are you combining someone from clinical and yeah. so talk to me about that? Cause that's a lot different than, um, what I hear from most people when they do yeah. the risk assessment. I, at least I don't know anybody else that's doing it this way. So yeah. my, my partner, Mitch Giesinger, Mitch is a nurse. He's a pediatric nurse, uh, worked for, um, several consulting companies for a number of years doing accreditation. Mm-hmm. Um, assessments and so forth. So he, so I, so we look at three things. We, we look at the workplace violence program. So we look at policies, procedures, training, the committee, the charter, key performance indicators, um, all those things that kind of combine the, you know, kind of make up the, the program itself. Um, and then we do the physical environment. So that's really what my, my area is. And I, and I do, you know, access control and surveillance and emergency communication and officer deployment and training and, and all those other things. Mm-hmm. And then we get the voice of the customer. So we're interviewing staff, but what really makes us unique is having a nurse on board. Mm-hmm. So Mitch can look and sit down with it. He can sit down with the doctors and the nurses and talk about things like, what is your CWA protocol? So CWA is when you're, you're, when you have somebody that's withdrawing from, from uh, substance abuse. How do you manage that behavior? How do you manage mm-hmm. the medication? So, because workplace violence is not a security problem, right. <laughs> it's not. Right. It's it's holistic, and you know it's real important that hospitals have mechanisms in place for how do you identify a high risk patient when they walk in your ED. Mm-hmm. You know how do you manage their medications? How do you develop a a multidisciplinary plan of care to manage the patient's behavior mm-hmm. or the staff behavior? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you maximize your clinical medical record? Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things are, 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 are clinical. It has right. nothing to do with the physical environment, but they, right. they go hand in hand because one can impact the other. So, uh, you know, we really do take a unique approach to it too. And, you know, we get some, you know, the, the feedback we get is, is amazing at times. You know, we, Mitch and I tell this story quite often, but, you know, we've had nurses cry right in front of us right because we sit down with them you know on all three shifts and we say you know we're here on behalf of your organization they care about your your safety you know how do you feel about your safety here you know right how's the lighting in the parking lot tonight and we had on one particular occasion it was you know you kind of get chills when you think about this but a a seasoned nurse in the er started to cry and she said "I, i i can't believe that my organization cares as much about me that they brought in outside yeah. experts to sit down with me and, and for me to, to tell you the things that I, I know you're going to be able to go back to them and tell them that we need to fix. 
mm-hmm. and it was powerful. It was mm-hmm. powerful. And, and, and you know, this, when you bring somebody in from the outside, I, I think employees are more open um, and um, honest. You know, I mm-hmm. think it's, you know, and, and I did this at one point with, with, uh, with a COO, you know, we were at a nurse's station and I asked the COO to go up to the nursing staff and, and ask them, you know, how do they feel about their security? And they were all like, Oh, it's great. Everything's fantastic. And then I asked them to take a walk away and I went back and I said, okay, so now how do you really feel? Right. And they went like, Oh, the lighting in the parking lot sucks. Yeah. You know, the, the security staff from 11 to seven, but they, you know, they kind of just kind of dumped on me. Right. And I was, and I was able to share that with, with, with the COO and, and he was, I don't think he was that surprised. Right. But it was just, you know, it, it brings a lot of, it's a powerful message that organizations send to their employees when you, when you bring somebody in from the outside to, to do an assessment and to really get to the root of what the, the pebbles and the, the, you know, the rocks and the shoes are, are to employees and, and to leaders and then mm-hmm. to work with them to come up with a plan to, to address it. Totally. And then, and then maintain that partnership forever. So, you know, it's not like you walk in, you do the assessment, you say, this is what we recommend. No, it's, this is what we recommend. Let's help prioritize this. Let's have a discussion with the key stakeholders. Let's prioritize it. Let's implement it. Let's measure. Let's continue to work with you to help develop your program so you can be successful. I mean, you know, it's, you have to have a passion for keeping people safe, right? And doing the right mm-hmm. thing. And, and that's really what, what, what motivates me. And that's kind of my why behind this. My why is, I want people, I want healthcare and, and all employees, but really focus on healthcare right now. I want them to feel safe and secure when they go to work so they can provide great care to people and then go home to their family when they're done their shift. Yeah. That's the bottom line. I love it. I can tell your passion is awesome. And I love talking to people that are really passionate about this. Um, speaking of which, like what, what do you see as far as like the physic, like for your company and then also just security in hospitals like what what's your vision for the future well i think we're continuing to to demonstrate the value that we bring to the organizations and just how Mm -hmm. important the role of security is it's where you know it's not it's not the afterthought that it used to be i Mm -hmm. I really seen a tremendous um, change in the industry in the last 20 years and i think it's because of the professionalism that our, our security leaders are bringing to the table you know it's organizations like ihss that are providing the training and education to leaders and providing that, that those resources for them. But, you know, we're, we are seen as, as a partner, as, yeah. as a required partner in this. And, you know, that, that, that we bring incredible value to the organization and not just from a, a security perspective, but you have a lot of security professionals that are overseeing the environment of care and the safety programs and the drug diversion programs and safe patient handling and emergency yeah. management and, and other maybe non-traditional roles you know, I think we're, 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 we're really being impactful and we have a very strong voice. We have a very powerful voice and we're very influential. You know, mm-hmm. the security leaders that, that are successful are the ones that realize that, you know, you have to collaborate with the nursing staff. You have to collaborate with the medical staff. You have to mm-hmm. be a, a, a team player because mm-hmm. healthcare is probably the most, <laughs> it's a team sport. There, there's totally. not one department that, that takes care of a patient. It's multiple teams and multiple departments that, you know, are involved in every single, every, there's multiple steps um, involving many different uh, departments and people that, that have to be in sync to take care of patients. So, you know, I, I think that we're going to continue to, to grow as a profession. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
our roles are going to continue to expand and we're going to take on some more non-traditional roles that we may have in the, in the, in may not have in the past. I, I think because the workplace violence is getting the attention that it, that it deserves, that we're going to be at the table every time there's a new construction project, right. every time there's a renovation, every time there is a, a new um, initiative that's going to be discussed. We need to be part of the table because all of those things impact us, either mm -hmm. the in environment that we're, we're working it impacts the, that that initiative or that initiative is going to impact the environment in some way so um yeah it, it's been remarkable over my <laughs> career to see you know just how much it's changed from kind of being the security department or the security guard that you know is right. over in, you know that is really not getting a lot of attention or a lot of love from administration who's now being seen as you know we, we need to make sure that our safety officer our security leader is involved in these discussions at the highest level because right. they have tremendous input and value. Totally. Um, you talked earlier about like the biggest bang for your buck of what you can do just to make your hospital safer. What can you just talk like a little bit more specifically about what that would be specifically? Yeah, so it's been pretty consistent. So this year um, I visited 25, 26 hospitals um, and there's, there's two themes that come up all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it kind of changes if it's an urban environment versus a more rural environment, but mm -hmm. you know, weapon screening is number one and uh, wearable um, duress buttons are number two. I mean, that's what we're hearing everywhere I go. Wearable and what? Sorry. It's, it's a wearable, it's an RTLS. So it's real time location um, okay. system. So it's basically, it's a, it's a, it's a panic button. Okay that you know like so we just did a survey through um uh, our, our foundation and it was like 82 percent of um uh, emergency departments have panic buttons but they're hardwired right so i got to mm -hmm. get to a computer or i got to get to a nurse's station and push this button to get security or my colleagues to go right technology today is i can wear a device mm -hmm. um, i push that button on the device it sends a signal to my colleagues that can come and help me cool. or yeah. it sends a signal to security and they come in Again, yeah. or come and provide that support so yeah weapon screening and and those wearable uh, panic buttons are, are 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 really what we're we're seeing most organizations evaluating because overnight and you know this overnight you change the perception of safety and security in that campus o overnight you implement a weapon screening and overnight your employees feel safer yeah overnight your patients feel safer they do yep it's because you're preventing you know the, the the unthinkable for happening, and that you know preventing those 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 you know mass casualty incidents or an active shooter situation or you know a, a really bad situation happening when somebody brings in a weapon. Mm -hmm. um, so that's typically number one in the urban environments, followed by 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 the the wearable uh, panic buttons. And then when I go to more rural areas, it kind of reverses. But that's really what we're seeing, and that's from a technology perspective. Mm -hmm. um, there, unfortunately, there are still some hospitals that are not training staff to how to identify and manage aggressive behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just really starting to have those conversations. So if they already have like a mature security program and they have some, you know, good access control, good surveillance, good weapon screening, visitor management, uh, emergency response, and they don't have training, then we, we tend to, to kind of go down that path of conversations. Okay, now what type of training would fit your organization? You know, mm -hmm. it, are, are you concentrating on dementia, delirium, autism, um, your, your general population? You know, do you have a certain niche population that you're serving? Because there's certain programs that are out there that are geared towards different populations. So 
you know, it's sometimes it's a technology solution that we're recommending for the biggest mm-hmm. bang for the buck. Um, sometimes it is an increase in FTEs and security officers, depending upon, again, the posture that they, they, they currently have. Um, so it's kind of, it's really been the, the full gamut of technology, people, training. Um, a, a lot of it too is data management, you mm-hmm. know, spe- specifically for workplace violence. A lot of organizations are struggling with trying to identify, you know, their source of truth for data. Sure. So you have like, you have your employee health and safety data. Mm-hmm. And you have your occurrence reporting system. And then you have mm-hmm. your security data. Mm-hmm. So you have three different buckets of data. What are you going right. to use? Right, right, so right. a lot of our conversations with with leaders are, okay, let's come up with the the, the best data. So right. we either pick a source of truth, which mm-hmm. is kind of hard to do, or you kind of filter through all those data uh, points on a, on a frequent basis to then say, okay, this is the best data we have. We want to make sure, sure we're not double counting. We want to make sure that we're not, you know, missing certain incidents. And then, because we, we all know data drives every decision we make, mm-hmm. data drives every resource allocation that, that hospitals are going to spend. So it really kind of, it really depends where the organization is, you know, but um, that's kind of where we're at from a, from a technology perspective and a, people perspective and, and data it's 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 really depends upon the maturity level of, of the hospital's um security program and the workplace violence program yeah doc and it sounds like you really work with clinical staff a lot i mean doctors obviously with the training that they just love the data as well same with the nurses yeah. they love like you know we before we had this many weapons coming in now we have this many you know yeah i think there's um, some, some of the most analytical people you're ever going to mm-hmm. meet it's all it's all about evidence it's all about research yeah what so in your tenure as the assistant vice president of safety and security and emergency management at virtual health can could you share a specific instance where an unconventional leadership approach you took led to a breakthrough in security management or emergency preparedness yeah, I, I think the the first one that comes to mind is um, we were we were deploying a weapon screening at one of our our, our campuses. So I did a ton of research, um, uh-huh. homeland security research, um, research for what hospitals were doing all throughout the world, um, and I stumbled upon an article about amnesty boxes, mm-hmm. and it was amnesty boxes for self surrendering of drugs before <laughs> before going into concerts in um, I think it was in Wales. Uh huh. That's where I believe it was, and I was intrigued. So I said, "Amnesty boxes." I was in the Marine Corps. I know what an amnesty box is. You have it on the you have it on the firing range. So when you forget, you know, you you forget the rounds are still in your pocket, <laughs> but yeah. you can drop them in the amnesty box before you walk off the firing range without right. any fear of you know retribution or reprisal, or whatever it may be. Um, so I I went to our our leaders and I said, uh, "I want to try something." And they went, what do you mean? I said, I want to try this amnesty box and, and see if it works. Uh-huh. And nobody knew anything about it. So I said, you know, let me fail. That was a conversation I had with our president at the time. Right. I said, please give me an opportunity to fail. And he started laughing. And I said, it's $600. <laughs> if I fail, I'll own it. But let's try it. Right. So we um, we deployed the weapon screening. We deployed the amnesty boxes and we had a, you know, we worked with marketing to come up with signage and, um, uh, you know, we kind of followed the path of, the, of, our, of our guests and made sure we had signs every path, every way into the ER that said, you know, we're going to do weapon screening, but there's this box that you can self-surrender um, and, you know, 
and, and then really the goal is to prevent the weapons from coming in, right? So if we prevented one knife from coming in or one screwdriver or one box cutter, I thought it would be successful. Right. So, so to make a long story short, we, we implemented the amnesty boxes. The second day that we had them deployed, we got a call from uh, a media outlet um, and, and it was through Leapfrog and Leapfrog is a, is a big organization that, that really is all about healthcare quality and safety. Mm -hmm. um, and we determined that we were the first hospital in the United States to deploy these amnesty boxes. Mm -hmm. um, and we had nothing but success at the one facility where we, where we initially deployed it. So, yeah. so we find out that we're the first in the nation to deploy these. We have great success in this one campus. We then deploy them system-wide. Now, I know of a lot of organizations that are deploying amnesty boxes when they're, right. when they're considering weapon screening. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, as, as part of the guidelines council of, from IAHSS, it's something that we've talked about including in our guidelines as a best practice. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of those things where, you know, research led me down this path. I never thought, right. you know, it had nothing to do with healthcare. It was really the self-surrendering of drug paraphernalia before you went into this, 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 um, right. this um, concert venue. And I right. went, huh. Let's try it. The hell? Yeah. What do we have to lose? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes like become this almost industry, you know, generally accepted standard. industry practice, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and I like it because it assumes the best, right? It's a, it doesn't assume like everyone's a bad guy. It's like, okay, you might have forgotten to put your weapon away. Like here, here's a way to do it. Um, I like that a lot. So, yeah. and it doesn't. It was cool. Yeah, it doesn't create this conflict. So yeah. maybe yeah. I'll suggest amnesty bo boxes more to our clients. <laughs> they work. <laughs> they, they really do. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you the other thing that, that came to mind too is because I, I, I find great pride in, in seeing these being deployed in healthcare was um, I was in Walmart one day <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I was checking out and I must have saw myself on 15 different cameras or 15 different you know TV monitors. Right. And I went, man, these things are really cool. We should, we should really consider using these in healthcare. And I, I came back and I spoke to my, my, uh, my supervisor at the time. And I said, I want to try something. Uh -huh. well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's called a public view monitor. I want to put it, I just want to put it in one of our main lobbies and see if it works. We're yeah. going to put this monitor up. It's going to say across the bottom, uh, recording in progress. And I know it's going to be a deterrent. Anybody that's sure. thinking about doing something criminal, they're going to think twice because right. they already know that they're on camera. And we all know that we act different when we're on camera, right? Right. So <laughs> I've been blessed to work with leaders that have always given me that opportunity to fail. And um, so we deployed it at one organization, saw, saw, saw it work. You know, the funniest was when you see somebody walk in, see themselves on camera, then turn around and walk out. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, you know, we tried it there. Um, I, I end up, um, I did a, a series of articles about what I thought the, the value of public view monitors were. And, and now you're seeing them all over the place in healthcare. And it's just, it's, it's just cool. It's cool yeah. to be able to be in that situation where, you know, I think I had a little, little slice um, in, in influencing the industry to adopt some new practices, which was pretty cool. And, you know, you can't do that unless you have leaders that allow you opportunities to fail. And like I said, I've been blessed with great leaders throughout my career. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, the ability to fail a lot. And I find in security, it's like people go into security because they're like, you know, a little risk averse. And so it's like, but we still have to create innovation and with innovation comes trial and error and with the innovation because sometimes sure. comes failure. So I think, I think um, having security leaders like yourself that aren't afraid to fail is so critical to the industry in general. So yeah. you have to try. So thank you. 
Absolutely. You're welcome. You have to try things. You're not going to know if they're going to, you know, failure is not trying. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I've always been one to try different things. And if, and if it fails, then you own it and you go, all right, well, I own that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, well, we're running out of time. It's been fascinating talking to you. Um, just in conclusion, what, what are you most proud of oh, wow. in your career? Well, um, I, I think the teams that I've been able to build, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I've, I've, I've had this unique ability to see, um, the value in people and what they bring to the table. I've, mm-hmm. I've always surrounded myself with a diverse team. My wife would tell you, and you know, I surround myself with very smart women. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and very diverse, you know, um, right. in, 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 you know, uh, age wise, culture wise, ethnicity wise, background wise. And, and I think I've always had a great knack of building strong teams. Mm-hmm. And then I've always found great pride in watching the team succeed. Totally. The team first. And, you know, any team that I've ever been part of, they'll, they'll tell you that I was never part of the, I was not part of our vocabulary. It was mm-hmm. always we. And what are we yeah. going to do? And I, I think, you know, just like in sports or, you know, anytime you go through something with a team, you become stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and those relationships, they're lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I still speak to, to colleagues that I worked with 30 years ago and, you know, That's awesome. we, we, and we literally say, we love each other, you know, we uh, say yeah. goodbye. Hey, I love right. you. And, and, you know, and, and, and my team would tell you, you know, I, I would say it to them all the time. Love you like brothers and sisters. Cause I did. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's what I'm most proud of is, is the ability to have a team come together with one common mission, mm-hmm. um, support each other, be there for each other, celebrate each other's success. I, I think that's what I'm, what I'm most proud of. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything you do and your leadership and encouraging other leaders and your vision for the industry and just also just most importantly, your passion. So thank, thank you. you so much for everything. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Lisa. Security Heroes is brought to you by Athena Security. To find out more about Athena Security and how we help save lives through our weapon detection solution, visit www.athena-security.com. And then make sure to search for Security Heroes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Athena, thanks for listening.